0: Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's Steve Sparky, Pfeiffer from 1250 AM, the fan along with Bucks superfan, Nathan Marzion. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzion. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at Sparky Radio. We definitely have to get into uh, some Bucks basketball talk from what's happened over the weekend since last we talked, but we also need to, I think, lead off the podcast because everybody wants to know what happened uh, on the Nathan Marzion New Year's Eve experience, because uh, he said he was going out. Now, if you remember, go back a few podcasts, that, that was not going to be a thing. He was not going out. He was going to stay home, watch sports, and that was it. Then changed his mind, changed his heart, and went out. He did not have a girl to go out with, but that does not mean he may not have ran into uh, one or two out uh, when the evening uh, was about. So please uh, enlighten us on the journey that Nathan Marzian took. So what were the
1: bars, the restaurants? What, wh- Where did y'all go? I went to uh, McGillicuddy's on Water Street, so it was a good time. Been there a couple I mean, times in my life, yeah, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, saw a bunch of friends, and yeah, I mean, the Georgia versus Ohio State game was on, and that game was really fun. And yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. I, it definitely exceeded my expectations. I it thought did. It was gonna, I thought it was going to be, I thought I was going to spend more money than I did, which I was happy I didn't i thought and nathan it marzion dude. weren't they just buying you drinks all night no look there's nathan marzion oh that's a
0: twitter dude dude i got you man doesn't that happen to you all the time
1: i mean it happens quite a bit but i See? it doesn't always mean it doesn't always mean free drinks but right yeah yeah i mean i took pictures with people like it was fun took like i pictures had pictures with
0: people get
1: out yeah. of here yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, but... man
0: Signed autographs in his 20s man get out of here all right so taking pictures with people did you take pictures with any girls that led to you getting a number so really all this was was you and a bunch of dudes taking pictures with each other and hanging out it was a sausage fest is what you're telling me
1: i mean i was with girls too like i have girls who are i have friends who are girls so yes well that's was good that girls. you have friends that are girls yeah i right. mean we was it i was all around different people you know
0: but there was no love connection made on new year's eve of 2022 no no, oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, okay, that's okay. Well, talk, so we'll talk Bucks basketball, get him so he's a little bit more comfortable in the conversation. Uh, the Bucks do not look comfortable uh, at this moment in time. And as we continue to talk about on this podcast, oh, no reason to be concerned. It's the regular season, got a long ways to go. Marzian said if they lose 10 in a row, he'd still be okay. No no need to worry about that. It would be fine. Uh, and now they've, they play a little bit here but they can't seem to get everybody on the floor. I mean, this has to be something that, as a Bucks fan, you have to be looking and going, okay, they lost, but again, you don't have Middleton, you don't have Giannis, you don't have Drew Holiday, or you don't have Middleton and you don't have Holiday. Like, they, they can't seem to get everybody on the floor together again, and until they can get everybody on the floor again and play for three, four, five weeks together and see what this actually looks like with everybody out there. Cause now Ingles is healthy, but you can't get Milton on the floor. Holiday's always taking the night off or whatever the reason. Uh, and then Giannis has to get his rest too, because you don't want to play him every single game. Cause that's not a thing anymore in the NBA. So all of that, that that comes together and we're, we're going to get into uh, the nets uh, next topic, but you, you see teams like the nets that are playing really well right now. And you're like, Oh man, I, that, that they're good. They're going to be a problem. Yeah. But, Durant and Kyrie have been playing in and, and relatively healthy for the most part. So yeah, they're, they're forming that chemistry and they're building on it and they're going forward. And the bucks have not had that luxury of having their main guys all healthy at the same time for long stretches of time right now. Nathan.
1: Yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, it looks like Giannis and Drew are going to be back tonight, which is good. At least Against get Washington. Those, yep. Yeah. Get those guys back. Um, I mean, yeah, it's obviously been, been just frustrating not to have, you know, you're, you're constantly trying to judge this team without a key player. And it's hard to do that. And it's like you just want to see them with everyone, see their full team, see them all at full strength. Because even when Chris came back, he wasn't Chris. He wasn't himself. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 been really frustrating. I'm still, I mean, people, I'm I'm far less concerned than most people I see on Twitter. I know Twitter's overreaction central. But, I mean, I feel like it's the same. I mean, we we've seen people, you know, we've seen the Bucks kind of, at least last year and the year before, start to play the long game and play the game of okay, you know. And I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with Chris. I'm not saying that he's 100% gonna be perfectly fine. But I very well could see this being, you know, they're they're just playing it really cautious and they're like, we don't, you know, we're we're up there among the best teams in the league still this isn't like we're fighting to you know for a playoff spot or something and we desperately need him back um and they're kind of playing you know they're they're playing it as cautious as they can i i don't know people are freaking out and people are acting like chris milton will never be the same again we're never getting chris milton back he's not doing anything for us this year i don't believe that still i still think it's january plenty of time left it's frustrating but i'm i'm still not I'm not freaking out about it. Again, going
0: off that Eric Damon interview, you can go to check that out at 1250amthefan.com from last week. He made it sound like for the people he talks to that everybody believes Middleton will be fine. And it will be Chris Middleton again here before the end of the year that they're kind of just taking their time with it, which again is totally acceptable. I mean, we just started January and I understand I was before I was saying, well, it's December. Well, fine. Well, now it's January and I'm still not concerned necessarily, Uh, but you would like to see kind of what this team looks like. I, I think the, the one, overlying complaint that I see uh, on social media and I can get down with and understand is why doesn't Beauchamp get more run? If, if you don't have all these guys, why don't you play Marjan Beauchamp more? I tend to agree with that. I don't know about you. I tend to agree with let that kid, uh, you know, earn his stripes a little bit more and, and kind of throw him in the deep end and see how he does. Cause for the most part, he hasn't been horrible when he's been given the opportunity. I just think maybe I'm wrong. But I, I think Bug looks at it and says, I'm not playing this kid in the playoffs. So I, I'm not going to waste, you know, everybody's time by putting him in here a ton of minutes. And then, you know, he's playing 20, 25 minutes. And then we get to the playoffs and I don't want to play a rookie in the playoffs. In that situation, I'm going to go with the vet over over the top of him. And then I'm going to, you know, waste all that time. Maybe that's the reason that they're not playing him a lot. Because he doesn't, doesn't envision him playing in the playoffs anyhow. So they're just kind of slow playing him this year, his first year. And maybe next year is when he gets more of his minutes. Me personally, I'd like to see him play. And who knows? Maybe he'll surprise Bud, and maybe he'll show that he should be a playoff rotational guy. Maybe he'll show that he does belong on the floor in front of Wes Matthews or somebody else uh, that's a veteran on this basketball team. Maybe.
1: Yeah, and I saw I saw a quote recently from Bud that said something. You know, it kind of implied that Marjan's not going to play much in the playoffs, and correct. He was like, you know, I the the vets you know they just you can trust them a little bit more and stuff which again is is fair but this isn't like you know again in this situation when you're missing guys it's like it's not like these other guys are playing well over him like at least give him a shot he, he's he's played well defensively he's actually been probably a more consistent shooter than a lot of those guys have been um not necessarily consistent but just in terms of percentage wise and um being able to get hot than anyone else has been recently because our three-point shooting has been so bad and it's like in the playoffs too. I mean, I, if we're down in a series or something, I don't want to see bud just be like, kind of like he did with Marjan where it's like, or not nah, Marjan uh, with Javon last year, where it's like you kind of just go in with who you're going with and you don't change that. And it's like, if it's not working, if it looks like, you know, someone's struggling and there could be, you know, Marjan might be better over him, like give it a shot. You know, at least if you're going to go out, go out giving everything you have and, you know, rolling the dice on every possible scenario. Um, and it's like, I'm just worried he's going to be too stubborn and, kind of just be like, you know, even if George Hill sucks or Wesley Matthews sucks and he's just going to be like, well, those guys are vets. I trust them to figure it out rather That's than what he's going to do rather than giving Marjon a chance. That's yep. frustrating yep. to me. And I completely agree um, with that. Cause yeah, again, especially with the injuries, it's like, I, there, there's no reason why Marjan shouldn't be out there. Cause again, so many of these guys are struggling right now. It's not like you're, it's not like you're losing anything from these other guys by putting Marjan over him. Like, you're not really losing anything. You're just gaining. The experience for him, and you know, getting to at least see what you have in him, and I mean, you're not gonna, you're never gonna rely on Marjan, or at least you hope in the playoffs. Like I I see people want to play him a ton and be like, he should be starting and stuff. I I don't agree with that, no matter how you know good he looks at times and everything. A rookie playing you know thirty minutes in the playoffs, like that's not a good sign. I don't unless you're a top two pick or three pick, which those guys go to the trash teams anyways. But that's not gonna happen. Like that, that's just. He's not going to be the answer to solving like to to guarding Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as a rookie. Like it's not going to happen. That's not the case. But I mean, maybe you can play him some right now. If he continues to look good, like he just at least can be someone you can maybe say, hey, you know, we've seen enough of him this year that we can rely on him a little bit instead of not playing him and just assuming, okay, you know, we he can't play, he can't play, he can't play. And I don't know. Yeah, that that's definitely frustrating. And I think overall. The one concerning part about not having Middleton back yet and, you know, as we get, you know, closer to, you know, the middle of February, this will be even more important. The one, the one big thing for me is if you don't get to see what this team fully looks like or how Chris is going to look with this, you know, with the team and everything and um, get to see them all together before the trade deadline. I mean, that, that's something that could, you know, if we get him back and see that it's not going well, that could, you know, maybe you need to make some moves if you get him back and everything's fine, okay, maybe you don't need to make as many moves. Whereas if you don't have them back at all, you just don't really know. I mean, they, they're going to make it, you know, they know more than us. They're going to make a good guess at it. But I mean, if you're not seeing these guys playing NBA games, it's not going to be a perfect, um, you're not going to have a, a, a perfect sense of exactly how this team is and how, you know, Ingles fits into the situation and these other bench guys. And it just, I want to see, I want to at least see some games with them before the trade deadline. So we know what we got to do.
0: I, uh, I think it's very common in the NBA and has been common in the NBA for probably, I don't know. I'm not going to say forever. I'm not that old, but at least the last 20 years where these coaches don't want to play rookies uh, in any type of critical playoffs, unless it's a lottery pick that's starting, right? John Morant's a rookie and they make the playoffs. Let's say that happens. Uh, Yeah. He's going to play clearly. Right. But if you're a team, that has a bunch of veterans on it, and you're the oldest team in the league or one of the oldest teams in the league like the Bucks, and you've won a championship already. Those teams, nine out of ten times, are not going to play inexperienced players in the playoffs. This is not a Bud thing. I, I know everybody wants to yell about Bud and wants Bud fired and overreacts to everything Bud does. And I'm not saying I'm a huge Bud fan, but he he at least uh, has earned the right to have his judgment on this after winning a championship. Like, you got to trust him somewhat that he has an idea of what he is doing. Even though Nathan wants to see uh, Marjan Bochamp play more, and I want to see Marjan Bochamp play more, if his thinking is he's not playing in the playoffs anyhow, and we're going to spoon-feed him this year, and maybe we'll throw him into more of the deep end next year once this roster gets redone a little bit next year. Because remember, they pretty much brought back the whole team and added Joe Ingles. That's pretty much what happened. So it's not like they made some... Huge transformation, and this guy is blocked from ever playing again. And Wesley Matthews is getting close to the end of his career. George Hill is getting close uh, to the end for him, too. So a lot of these older guys, I'm guessing, guessing, will not be back next season, right? So this is probably their last year on this roster. And then after that, there's going to be some openings. And that's how Marjan Bochamp gets into the mix. Maybe that's how they end up going and getting another point guard at some point uh, in the offseason, whether it be free agency or draft or however they end up getting a point guard. But that, that's probably how it's going to play. But for this year currently, that that's probably the reality is he's not going to play much in the postseason unless there's an injury. But that goes back to what you said, Nathan, which is, if you play him a lot here and you feel like you can trust him now, if a, a play, one or two players get hurt in the playoffs, you're not going to be completely freaked out that he doesn't know what the hell he's doing when you put Bochamp out of there, because you have no other alternative. He has to play now, but because you decided you weren't playing with the playoffs and you slow played him all year. Now he's not as prepared as he could be.
1: Yeah. And Again, I I really have no problem if they want to go into the playoffs saying we have no plan to use Marjan much. Like I don't have a problem with that. He's a rookie. He's a twenty fourth pick. You're on a vet team. Um, if we're fully healthy and everything, I have like I, I have no issue with that at all. And I know most people do. Most people are like they should one hundred percent be using him more all the time. Blah blah blah. Like if they want to go into it and just say this guy's not playing in the playoffs. You know that is not our plan. Um, that's fine. But I think you know again. A, he should be playing more right now when the games are less important and you have guys out and these guys aren't playing, you know, the guys ahead of him aren't playing super well. And B, I just want to see, even if you go in with that plan, again, the one criticism of Bud, like I don't, again, I don't have a problem with him not playing. You said it's not a Bud thing that they don't play rookies, you know, in the playoffs on a vet team. Um, I don't have a problem with that. But the one Bud thing is he he, he does get stubborn and I want to see him able to – um roll the dice with them. If things are not working out, like, I don't want to just see this be George Hill, George Hill, George Hill. And it's like, dude, just play Marge. Like, like, let's just see what we have. Or you I have, agree. if they stick with grace, let's say grace is still on the team and he's just getting torched by Tatum and Brown. And they, you know, they're attacking him one, like every single possession, just at least try putting Marge on out there. Even if it's not I your agree. original, if it's not your original plan, like this is the playoffs, you've got to do everything you can to yep. survive and keep going. So, that's the only thing I, again, I have no problem if that's their plan is not to use them, but I just want to at least him to be a little bit more, you know, less stubborn, I should say, and give him a chance.
0: I agree with you. Topic number two, are you buying the nets as a threat to the bucks and Celtics in the East? Because right now they are the talk of the NBA right now, because they are playing really well. They're red hot with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Uh, and the cast that they have in Brooklyn uh, at this point. Are you buying the Nets as a threat to the Bucks and Celtics in the East? Because to this point on this podcast, at least Green and Growing podcast, available wherever you download your podcast, obviously you find a place to download this one. Tell your friends, tell your family, because everybody still is not aware of our podcast. So please tell people. Uh, are, you, are you buying the Nets? Because up to this point, you and I both have agreed. It's Bucks, Celtics, and everybody else in the East. Where are you slotting the Nets currently?
1: They're up there now. I mean, they... The way Katie and Kyrie have been playing just has been incredible. Um, they what is it, thirteen in a row?
0: That's a high number. Let me check. But yeah, I mean they they won a bunch of games in a row, and and that's to me that's that's the thing of I'd I'd like to say, oh boy, you know they're they're going to be a team to watch. the The thing that's stopping me at this point, to be honest with you, uh, is the fact that it's January, um, and I, I guess I'm just not there yet. They won twelve in a row. and a game behind the Celtics for the one seed uh, and a game and a half in front of the Bucs and Cavaliers, uh, who are tied for the uh, three and four seed currently are the Bucs. And then a game behind them are the Cavaliers, who are in the five seed right now. Three games behind that are the Pacers in the six seed. And they're five and a half out of first place, which is still the Celtics. But I have a feeling that You know, the the Celtics probably are going to lose this thing to the Nets here in in short order. The Nets eventually are going to hold this one seed. Now, can they hold a one seed for the remainder of the year and how big of a deal will that be? Not quite sure. Uh, We know what happened the last time the Bucs and Nets saw each other in the playoffs and how that whole thing went down. Uh, And that was when it was chaos uh, in Brooklyn with them trying to figure out, you know, how they were playing. I I think it's something to be considered uh, as a possible threat uh, for sure. I guess I'm just not there yet because it's the beginning of January. Like if we get to March and they're still playing really well and they're at the top of the Eastern conference and then it's the bucks and the Celtics, then I think I'll buy more into this run that they are on, but I don't think I'm there yet. Nathan.
1: Yeah. Like I I'm, I'm definitely pretty much there. I think I know. And again, I know it's early. I'm not saying they're better than the Bucs or Celtics or anything like that, but I think they're pretty much in that conversation at this point because Katie's just been so dang good. We didn't know if he was going to be this level. I mean, he struggled in the playoffs last year and people kind of question is he's still one of those top few players in the game. And he's shown this year that he is Kyrie's playing super well. Um, they have Simmons defensively. They have Nick Claxton defensively. And then they have some guys off the bench that have played pretty well. Watanabe um, TJ Warren's been pretty good. Like they have guys stepping up and they've been shooting like crazy. Like I remember there was a five or six game stretch around Christmas that they shot literally like 50 something percent from three. Yep. And I know that's not going to keep up, but it's like they've just shown that they have that offensive firepower and the shooting ability to like at any point you could just lose to them by 30 because they get completely hot. Um, and Katie and Kyrie obviously are two of the best shooters in the game. So it's like they they have the firepower and have enough guys stepping up and their play at the top from those top two guys has been very, very good. So I do buy into it. I think the East is kind of – I'm I don't think it's as clearly Bucks and Celtics as it was before I think teams like Cleveland, Brooklyn and Philly are kind of getting in getting into that conversation again or at least showing that like okay we can be contenders too. Um you know Cleveland with Donovan Mitchell obviously what he did last night was crazy and he's been great all season and they have the defenders. Yeah, and they have the the defenders to to guard, you know, Giannis and other superstars. Yep. Um and then you know Philly, they are getting Maxi back. They have you know are getting Harden back. They're kind of getting healthy, and um, Embiid's been really, really good. I know he struggled at the very beginning of the year, but he's been a lot better since. So I think there's more teams involved. There's more teams that I think could give these teams a run. I'd still pick the Bucks and Celtics as the top two, but um, these other these other teams are a lot closer, I think, than they were you know a month ago.
0: Yeah, the Cavaliers obviously uh, are being helped by. Uh, Donovan Mitchell. I, I'll say this. I man, we go top to bottom Cavaliers. They don't have the second superstar necessarily. Right. At this point, I mean, Garland's really good, but I, he's not Kyrie. So they don't have the second guy with Donovan Mitchell to match what Durant and Kyrie are. But once you get past the superstar aspect of it, cleveland has got some guys, man, that, that, that can flat out play. And as far as being able to run a bunch of bigs out there, Uh, Use fouls, like you said, against Durant or against Giannis or whoever it may be. That helps them a lot. And their bigs, for the most part, can get out and run. Mobley can get out and run. Allen can run a little bit. So you've got some mobility there. But again, I'm just, for me, it's tough to buy into a team that's never done it. And eventually they will have to, they'll, they'll eventually probably will do it. And they'll probably get to a finals in Cleveland would be my guess with this cast that they currently have. Uh, You have to understand that Brooklyn is probably going to make a move would be my guess at the deadline to acquire at least one more player. Uh, I would assume Cleveland will probably make some type of move to acquire a player as well. If there's one to be had, you know, you brought up TJ Warren. I I really liked him. uh, And I thought that was a steal for Brooklyn when when they got him in Brooklyn. I I liked him back to his son's days. Um, And then, you know, he suffers that injury uh, and that obviously sets him back and and Brooklyn, you know, gets in there and scoops him up. But one healthy TJ Warren can definitely fill it up uh, and be a huge impact. And that's the thing we talked about it before on this podcast. That's I want a score like that off this bench for the bucks. Right. And all this talk about uh, trades and who's going where and all this stuff. And Kyle Kuzma's name is coming up with Washington, about him possibly being, you know, on the trade market or whatever the case may be. You know, if I, and I, I, again, I'm not looking at cap things and seeing what works and what doesn't work or whatever. I'm just saying, if if you were to get a Kuzma to, to go along with this team and you're able to move Grayson Allen and, and whatever, uh, and now all of a sudden Middleton is that two guard, again, back to playing the two and not playing the forward, and Kuzma and Giannis are your forwards, um, now all of a sudden you feel really good about your starting five from an offensive standpoint. Not that Kuzma is a great defender necessarily, because I don't think he is. But you feel better about yourself offensively more than I think you do right now with Grayson Allen in that in, in that aspect. And I know we've talked about this to death. As far as you want a defender, I want to score. As far as what they're looking to add to this team to go forward, but like you said, the Nets are going to be able to score in bunches. It appears right now with what they have. A uh, Boston definitely is going to be able to score uh, too. So for me, it's if you trust this bench can score in the playoffs, then you're fine because starting five versus starting five, I'm pretty happy with bucks starting five versus anybody starting five at this point as far as scoring Brooks going to get his, uh, you know, Giannis holiday and Middleton are going to get theirs. And then whatever the fifth guy is, you know, whatever he can uh, contribute is fine. Cause you don't really have anybody else. Then you go to the bench and you have Bobby Portis and that's it you can love Pat Connaughton all you want, but he's not consistent enough where you can rely on Pat Connaughton at this point going forward. George Hill is not somebody you can rely on. Wes Matthews is not somebody you can rely on. Like they don't have another guy. And that's where I keep going back to the same point as far as getting another score for this roster, I think is, is more of a big deal, especially when you see again, and again, it's regular season. So, Guys, people aren't really game planning regular season games like they do in the playoffs, right? They're not really game planning of how they're going to beat the Nets night in and night out. The Nets are going to run their stuff. The opposing team is going to run their stuff. And yeah, maybe you'll you'll plan a little double here on Durand or a little double here on Kyrie uh, in certain situations. But for the most part, it's not full on game plan like it would be in a seven game series. We all have to remember this. Regular season basketball, and postseason basketball are two separate things. But what you can see, like Nathan pointed out, is their ability to score the basketball for the Nets. And that's why the question is, are you buying the Nets as a threat to the Bucs and Celtics in the East? And that is why you probably could look at the Nets and say, yeah, maybe they will have enough at the end of the season to hang with these two teams. And that's why you look at the Bucs and question whether or not they're going to have enough offense, Nathan, to get it done too.
1: Now, again, I'm not not opposed to the Bucs getting another score, potentially, I just... The guys that I look at, like I want to make sure that if they do get a score, they can also be at least capable defensively. They're not going to get killed on that end because if you can, it just it's gonna. It, you're in the in the end, if you you have a guy out there that can get targeted and just scored on at will, teams are going to take advantage of that. Right. So, um, I mean, I think uh, his name has come up a little bit recently. He's going to get surgery. He'll be back in like six weeks. But Kelly Oubre yep, is at least it. someone who like he he has like a seven three wingspan. Um, he's got the size athleticism and he can score. I think he's averaging 20 this year. Like he's someone who I like that, you know, can give you a little bit on, on both ends potentially um, isn't, you know, a fantastic player. Isn't the, the best player, but it's like someone that you could add that I think would help you on both ends. My question with, you know, you said you want to score and you, you talk about, we have those main four, then you kind of have Bobby. Um, nobody else can give you super consistent offense, but 2021. who else, who did we have? It was, P.J. Tucker and nobody and really Tucker him. didn't score. He didn't really score. That's what, what I'm mean, saying. Yeah, and that's what yeah. I'm saying. We had P.J. as our fifth starter. Right. You had Bobby off the bench and they kind of went with okay, we're going to trust that Chris Drew and Giannis's offense will get us enough for the most part. You know, you get occasional games from bench players, occasional game from Brooke and then you just, you know, you play really, really good defense on these teams and I think I'm I'm fine going with that blueprint and trying to replicate it by getting another defender that you can, you know, put in that fifth spot. And even if you don't want to start them, but having another guy out there that if you need to, you can put five defenders out there that nobody can be targeted and you still have four scores and you can kind of roll that way. Cause I mean, the reality is the rotation is always going to get shortened in the playoffs to like seven ish guys. So it's not like you need, it's not like you need to be 10 deep. It's not like you need to have tons of guys off the bench that can score because you're not going to have enough minutes. You know, you want to play Giannis, Chris drew like 40 something minutes um, in the playoffs when, when things really matter. So it's going to be shortened. And I think if I'm, you know, picking one thing we need, and again, it depends if Chris is going to be back and stuff, but I'm assuming that we, we he is back and we right. have those, all those guys. I'm going with the defender.
0: All right, uh, last topic. Uh, and then Nathan needs to get to his Marquette basketball game. Uh, all right, high scoring games in the NBA. Nathan Marzian tweeted this out, and I quote tweeted it and said, okay, we got to talk about this on Green and Grow when we record here on Tuesday night. Uh, last night in the NBA, Monday night, Donovan Mitchell, 71, 8, and 11. Clay Thompson, this was an overtime game, 54, 8, and 3. Uh, DeRozan in that same game with Mitchell, 44, 3 and 4. LeBron, who's 38, I think, 43, 11, and 6. Embiid 42 11 and 5. Luca, who's been unconscious, 39 12 and 8. And Marzian tweets out the talent level in this league right now is absolutely ridiculous. And I said I was going to talk about it tonight with Nathan. Uh, and I immediately got a tweet saying, you know, is this really about the talent or is this about the defense? And I said, well, that's brilliant because that's exactly what I wanted to talk about tonight. Is it really about this unbelievable talent, or is it simply about the lack of defense in the NBA right now, or the rules that play into you not being able to play the defense to kind of slow anybody down, you know, us old folks uh, always say, about, well, my God, if Michael Jordan played in this NBA where you couldn't touch him, good Lord almighty. Like it would be insanity what you would see. And then I see uh, Brian Windhorst uh, earlier today on ESPN talking about how, you know, when Kobe had his 81 point game or 82 point game, whatever it was, you know, that immediately, You know, that kind of like leads uh, when you talk about his bio plus his championships and everything else. And that Donovan Mitchell 71 point game will always lead his bio. And then whatever the team things are, because there's just not a lot of people that have ever scored 71 points uh, in a basketball game. And that will always be a thing. But folks, first of all, and I don't want to pick on Donovan Mitchell specifically. the Bulls defense isn't exactly anything to write home about at last check. I've seen enough Bulls games this year. There's nothing special about the Bulls defense by any stretch of the imagination. You still got to be on. You still got to be feeling yourself to score 71 points. Uh, And, you know, you look at some of these other scores. Clay, 54. Clay Thompson has not been good, uh, or not as good as Clay Thompson has been in the past all year. And he found himself for a night at this point. DeRozan is DeRozan. You know, we all know about DeMar DeRozan watching him. um, So that is fine. LeBron's very impressive. A, because it's LeBron doing it at this age, having been in this league for 20 years and and still producing at that point. Uh, And B, like uh, Nathan said, has been playing well. And Luca is probably the MVP at this point. But having said all of that, I think because of the way the rules are set up, because of the lack of big men as rim protectors in this league right now, and the fact that, again, because of the rules, you really can't put your hands on anybody. Uh, A lot of this is based on three-point shooting, Uh, For a lot of these guys, stars are getting to the line uh, at a higher rate, probably uh, than maybe past years. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. I may be wrong on that, but it feels like they're getting there at a higher rate than maybe years past and getting more respect from the referees than they have in the past. I think all of that kind of leads to kind of the the outbreak of high scoring games, because when you go back to like the 90s, games are like 85, 83 92 85, and oh, both teams got into the hundreds. Boy, that's uh, amazing! And now you look every night, everybody's in the hundreds. There's games in the 120s and regulation games, not even overtime games, and teams are winning 125 to 120 or whatever. I think it just s- speaks more about where we are as a league, maybe more so than the talent. Not saying that Luca won't be a Hall of Famer and B, LeBron, um, Clay, probably. Uh, I mean, those guys are probably going to be Hall of Famers more than likely. Mitchell and DeRozan, we'll see. Uh, but those other guys are are probably Hall of Famers regardless of, you know, what, what we're talking about here. But overall, I feel like it's more a product of the NBA
1: currently than maybe, you know, this unbelievable talent maybe. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think it's both. I mean, I just think that the top, all these MVP candidates that we have right now, when you talk about, um, I mean, I'll try to remember all of them. Giannis. Luka, Jokic, KD, MB, Tatum, Tatum, um, even, I mean, Curry's hurt, but he was really good. I'm probably forgetting someone else. People aren't
0: even talking about Giannis in the MDP conversation anymore.
1: But it feels like, and you could throw Mitchell in there now. It's like, it feels like if any of those guys were dropped into another season, you know, before this one or, or before a few years ago, they'd be like, the pretty clear cut mvp and there wouldn't be a ton of debate around it and instead there's like eight guys that you know you could even his team sucks but you could even the way lebron's playing like put For lebron sure. there something like that it's like it there just feels like there'd be you know it, it feels like there's 8 to 10 guys at the top that are like playing as good as we've seen in a long time so um i do think the talent level is better than it has been almost ever um And I think it's just a fun time to be a fan because so many guys, especially at the top are playing so dang well, but yeah, it's also a product of the game now. I mean, number one, the three point shooting taking over from like the mid range shooting, which just teams kind of figured out what, and some of its analytics and some of it's just kind of realizing it from guys becoming better shooters, but they figured out how to, you know, maximize their points per possession and mid range is a little bit more inefficient and, you know, becoming a good three point shooters. The, going to maximize how many points you score in the long run getting to the line i think as you said I, I would guess that the free throw rates are a lot higher especially for the superstars that it allows them to get an extra you know five six points for sure um just from getting to the line a ton it's it's it seems like it's hard to play defense against these guys even even more so than before and obviously they're great and it's going to be hard to defend them to begin with but it's like i i feel like with a lot of these guys if you're driving and you know, if you yell or fall, they're going to kind of give you a call and you're going to get to the line a lot. Even on threes, I feel like with, you know, falling down or trying to, you know, kick your leg out or whatever, draw contact. It gets called a little bit more and it it, you're just going to get to the line where you're going to get more points that way. And um, just being able to get hot from three can really just cause you to score in bunches where again, like Jordan, I'm trying, I think when Jordan scored 63 in the playoffs, like he didn't hit a three, you know, it wasn't like, it's just, if there was a three point line and he, you know, was able to get high from three, like that could have been a 75 point game. um Like it would be today. Whereas, you know, again, back then it was a lot more mid ranges and it's just, and I kind of think this with Giannis where Giannis doesn't have a three point shot. It's hard for Giannis to put up that many points, like for a 60 sure. point game. His, his cap is kind of 50 because if you're not a fantastic free throw shooter, you know, even if he gets to line 20, 25, you know, free throws, he's probably only going to make 16 ish of them yep. Um, compared to potentially going 24 or 25. um, And then probably at most making one to two threes, it's just going to be harder to really get that point total all the way up there. Whereas a lot of these guys are just such good three point shooters that you can make 10 threes and that's 30 points right there. You get, you know, 12 free throws. Okay. You're at 42 and then any two pointers, you're going to get up to 55, 60 points. Like it, it's just easier for you know guys in the nba now with the shooting and everything to really just those point totals to skyrocket
0: you know it's interesting we talked about uh a while back on the big show steph curry good or bad for the nba right so has he helped or hurt the nba and
1: i'm one of those say? guys huh what did you say
0: well i'm one of those guys that i i don't like the current nba necessarily as much as i i did before and you can call me an old fogey but I don't like watching 33-point shot, three-pointers a game. Like, I I just, it it just isn't very entertaining to this guy, at least, right? It drives me nuts. But I'll say this about Curry. He and his influence of taking those threes, now I'm not talking about the half-court ones and the stupid way deep threes that he takes that are, you know, not great shots for him maybe, but not anybody else. But what's happened is these kids that are coming up now, having watched him, a lot of these people that are in the NBA now watched Curry growing up. It'd been league long enough where a lot of these guys, you know, were in grade school watching Curry and then develop their game through high school based on what they were watching Curry do. So what's happened is these guys are better shooters for the most part coming into the league now and going into college now than they were ever before. Because you referenced Michael Jordan back in that era, it was all about the dunk. It was all about attacking the rim and the highlight reel dunks and the huge blocks and you know, maybe the dream shake from Hakeem Olajuwon and centers really couldn't even do that even if they practiced it. But that that's kind of what it was. And now we've gotten to the point of everybody can shoot the three, but as you pointed out, now the mid-range game is gone because ain't nobody practicing the mid-range game in high school and stuff. All they're practicing is the three-point shooting because that's how they want to play. Look at Marquette. There was a great piece in The Athletic today I read uh, on Marquette talking about the volume of threes that they're shooting and how this whole offense is kind of based on three-point shooting and the different influences that Shaka Smart has taken from over a couple of years from a couple of different coaches and how they attack defenses now. But again, that again is based on what? The three-point shot and hitting three point uh, the, the three-point attempts. That's where we are currently as a league. So from that aspect, I think it has helped the league and kind of shaking hands with the other, making these scores even more higher in the NBA now because a lot more guys... Before you'd have one or two guys that could really hit the three consistently. Now, every roster probably has three or four guys that can hit a three consistently. Nathan.
1: Now I don't have, I don't have any problem with, um, you know, the, it becoming a three point league and, and them kind of losing the mid range because it's just analytics. I think they just realized that, you know, the best mid range shooters or like a, a very good mid range shooter shoots about 47, 48% on yep. mid ranges. Yeah, A very good three-point shooter shoots 40% on threes. 40% on threes is a lot better than 48% on twos. And so it's like, why would you take that two-point shot when you can just take the three, make it a little bit less, but it's one more point every time you make it. It's going to result in more points. And so I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think Steph Curry, you know, I don't have no problem with what Steph Curry did to the game. I think it made people realize, wow, like it's actually more beneficial to shoot the threes rather than just taking the closer shot for two that, you make a little bit Nathan, more often.
0: Nathan, it's always been more beneficial to shoot the three than the two. Always. No, the but, difference but, but, is,
1: no but But nobody knew that. Teams did no,
0: not no, know no. That. People knew that, but the difference no, is, is that no could they didn't have enough guys in the league that could, sh- could shoot that shot consistently at the clip you're talking about. We'd have to go back and look at the stats. Maybe we can do that between now and Thursday. Go back and look in the 90s. How many guys were shooting at a, at a three-point percentage clip And say, pick your number, whatever number you want to have it be. Say it's 42%, whatever the number is. How many guys were shooting the three-pointer over that number versus how many guys are in the current NBA now shooting over that number? And then look at the mid-range numbers of those guys then versus now. That's how it's changed because now you've got guys that can shoot the three better than the mid-range shot. That's why now it does make more sense because they can't shoot the other shot. Back in the 90s guys couldn't hit the, hell guys struggled just hit the mid-range shot back in the 90s. Nonetheless, a three point shot because none of them could shoot the basketball all that well. You had the Reggie Millers and so forth, but you didn't have a lot of those guys. Now there's way more of those guys in the NBA, way more of those guys that can hit the three point shot than they, than they could back in the day. And that's what allows for this change in philosophy on offense, because you have the guys that can do it. You had a bunch of guys on your roster that all shoot 30% from three. You're not taking 30 three point shots a game. If nobody on your roster can hit a three point shot.
1: It's a a chicken before the egg thing. You know, did they change the philosophy because guys became good or did guys become good because they changed the philosophy? I don't think, because to me, when you when you know, this wasn't like guys just couldn't do it back in the day. They didn't even try to They like teams were shooting 10 to 15 threes point attempts per game. Like I look at some of the box scores and I'm like, the team went one of nine from three in the game. Like that's what usually one player shoot, you know, a player usually shoots nine in a, in a game themselves now. And so I just think, you know, and yes, obviously they weren't as good coming in because now it's known. Okay. You got to be a good NBA player. You got to be able to shoot. Um, Like every player knows they have to have that part. Even the centers have to be able to do that to be really effective. But I also just think that they realize as time went on that it's more beneficial. Like, I don't think teams were sitting there going, Oh, well, it's better to shoot the three, but we're just going to keep doing the, the mid range thing. No, like they, they realized over time that this is actually a much better thing to do. And this is why games are going from seventies, eighties to 110s, 120s is just offenses started to figure out what's the most beneficial thing to do and how to maximize their possessions and the use of analytics and all that has come into play. Um, Cause I don't think they had access to all that stuff back then, or at least the depth that they have now with it oh, no. of knowing the points per possession and. um you know, again, everything that they have now where you can really figure out strengths and weaknesses and what the best shot is and all that. Um, I just think there's a better knowledge of the game now. And um, so, yeah, I again, I don't really have I don't have a problem with it because it more scoring to me is fun. And I think it's just I like seeing teams playing smart and playing you know, to maximize what they're doing rather than like, oh, well, I want to watch a post up because it's more classic basketball but it's not going to work as much like, no, if it's, if threes are what works, shoot the three. And if you don't yeah. want it to work, defend it. I'm going to, I, do don't little, know if he'll, sorry. I don't
0: know if he'll do it or not. I'm going to, I want to get Marcus Johnson on with us, with, with you and me. Cause I mean, he, he could really get in depth here on what the thinking was back then in like the eighties, wherever the case may be, he's watched the game evolve over the course of time. Plus he, he did college basketball forever for the pack uh, pack 10 and was back 10 back then uh, on TV. So he watched the college game evolve over the course of time. He watched the NBA involved as well. Uh, evolve as well. I think it would be a great conversation with Marcus Johnson uh, at some point. So I'm going to see maybe we can get Marcus Johnson on in the next couple of weeks on, on our podcast so we can go back and forth. He's Nathan Marzion. He's late to go watch a Marquette basketball game. He's going to have to go do that. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzion. Follow me at Sparky Radio. We'll record again Thursday night. Be looking on Wednesday and Friday mornings. That's when they get posted. Green and Growing Podcasts, Odyssey, Apple, Google Podcasts, and of course on Spotify. Have a good one. Toodles!